This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. The time for empty talk is over. The ECB is ready to do whatever it takes. Because Brexit means Brexit. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Conversation, the financial talk on geopolitics. Hello, good morning, good afternoon to all and welcome to this M&D Blue conversation dedicated to the impact of the coronavirus on the markets. Uh, as Churchill used to say, keep calm and keep going. That might be uh, the motto after uh, the Monday we all lived on the market. Uh, and being quiet in turmoil uh, is, of course, uh, a very rare quality uh, among the financial industry. Uh, so today we're going to discuss uh, the implication of what happened yesterday Uh, for the markets, uh, what are our anticipation uh, of what's going to happen afterwards in something that we do consider at Amundi as a transitory crisis where it is absolutely essential to be pragmatic and to look quietly at fundamentals. So today we're going to explore notably our, I would say, assessment uh, of the macro situation and the implications on the market and what to be done so far. And we're going to do that with Pascal Blanquet, our chief investment officer, and Maniska Defend, our chief economist. Welcome to both. And I would like to uh, start this conversation by an overall question for you, Pascal, because it's been a few months, even a few years, that you were mentioning some of the risks that apparently materialized yesterday and at the end of last week. So what is your overall assessment Uh, of the sequence we are living in in the markets at the moment. As you said, uh, Jean-Jacques, uh, keep calm, keep your head. Uh, it is not the time to uh, add fear to fear. Uh, what I think is that all forces uh, uh, are not going in the same di direction. It's true uh, in life. It's true uh, in the markets and generally speaking in investment. Uh, where there are forces, there are counter forces. Uh, I do believe that we will see, and it is uh, underestimated, a strong reaction from policy mixes uh, across uh, across the globe. There is room to act uh, and ground uh, to, uh, to act. A second example is that, yes, all prices have uh, fallen off the cliff, but uh, this is a positive uh, for some consumer uh, uh, type of countries. And the third type of example of our counterforce, uh, look at the pattern of the, the virus in China. Uh, it's got to be confirmed, but it seems to be a first in, uh, first out type of uh, pattern. Uh, the second uh, uh, conviction on my side, I've not changed my mind, is that the continuation of, uh, of this kind of sell-off can only be justified by an expected permanent shock to potential growth moving uh, forward, which I don't believe. This uh, shock is uh, temporary in nature. And uh, this is important because it allows policy mixes and central banks specifically to act uh, and temporarily uh, deviate uh, from uh, classic uh, policies and traditional uh, tools. Uh, just like uh, the upward deviation of prices in, for some assets from uh, earnings, uh, to take an example in the tech sector in the recent period, could only be justified by a miracle in productivity. Uh, uh, 
today uh, the downward deviation uh, from some prices, from uh, uh, fundamentals that trend, can only be justified by a permanent shock to potential uh, growth. The third, uh, actually, a key element in the mindset and, uh, and the ground for action is that the main topic uh, is the tightening in financial conditions uh, centered in the credit space, uh, concentrating uh, market liquidity risk and default uh, risk. This is where, actually, action must be uh, focused uh, uh, from the authorities. Uh, and uh, uh, from this standpoint, I think there is room and ground to act. I think it's wrong to think that there is no room of maneuver from central banks. It's unlimited, basically. It's grounded. It's in the mission of central banks to step in when uh, the, they are faced with the tightening of uh, uh, the, the financing conditions of the uh, economy. Uh, so I think it's uh, simply wrong to think that there is no room of maneuver and uh, inefficiency uh, uh, in terms of uh, monetary policy. So I do think uh, that we uh, collectively underestimate uh, what can uh, or may happen reasonably soon. Uh, for example, uh, in Europe, actually, uh, it arguably interest rates are uh, not the, uh, the, the, the perfect tool uh, at the moment, the leading interest rates, uh, but there are others actually in the toolbox. Uh, it's possible to uh, use uh, quantitative easing uh, for uh, corporate investment grade, even extended to a part of high yield, uh, to use QE for peripherals in order to avoid uh, the refragmentation of the bond markets. You can uh, go to TLTROs, uh, generous in uh, volumes and prices. You can enlarge the uh, eligible assets to the ECB uh, for loans, for example, and you can alleviate the constraints on capital buffers for banks. So it's, uh, it, it's not true uh, that the toolbox is, uh, is empty. Uh, and uh, ideally, uh, we would like to see a linkage between monetary and budgetary uh, action. Typically, when a country like Italy suffers from uh, an asymmetrical shock, and temporary shock, uh, justifying a budgetary uh, action, the central bank can accommodate temporarily uh, the cost of financing, uh, having a focus on, uh, uh, on sectoral uh, action. So uh, we will see, the jury is out actually, but this is not priced into uh, the uh, current prices and specifically uh, after this uh, Black Monday. Thank you very much, Pascal. So that's the, the chapeau of our conversation. And uh, you mentioned uh, four convictions, so all forces not in the same direction, a temporary shock, um, conviction that the main issue uh, is on the credit side, uh, and last conviction that there is room to act. So we're going to explore each blocks, each of, of these convictions. Uh, and I'm going to start by you, Monica, uh, maybe on the macro side. Uh, so where are you in terms of the general assessment of the macro situation? Uh, have you revised uh, your central scenario? Do you intend to do so or not, based uh, on what Pascal just mentioned, which is an assessment uh, of the situation to be considered as transitory? Okay, thank you, uh, Jean-Jacques, and good morning to everyone. Starting from the uh, base scenario, 
of course, uh, we have been adding and uh, reviewing some uh, some numbers uh, in light of the new risks that the global uh, economies are, are facing. The first uh, big uh, change has been the one that has been taking place uh, at the during the, uh, the end of February, at the time where we discovered that uh, the outbreak of the virus was a moving global. So uh, involving the, the global economies, mainly, uh, mainly Europe. So while uh, up to then we were considering uh, the shock to be, as Pascal was saying, uh, reversible and containable in uh, in China, supported by policies on the ground, uh, adding some spillover primarily through uh, global trade uh, reduction, uh, supply chain. Uh, interruption and uh, confidence uh, um, indicators uh, uh, moving down. Uh, at the end of February, the, the shock moved from external spillover to endogenous challenges uh, uh, to, uh, to, to the regions, uh, namely, um, namely Europe with, uh, with Italy, uh, Germany, as you were, you were mentioning. So, um, obviously, our uh, growth uh, forecasts are challenged to the to downside. But in order to uh, get uh, the some uh, reliable numbers, so we need to assess uh, two uh, criteria. First of all, the longevity of the of the virus, and second, the uh, recovery of the economic activity. Those two elements will allow us to pencil how deep will be will be the bottom. Uh, as, uh, um, as Pascal was anticipating, uh, the response uh, from the monetary and the and the fiscal side uh, will have to be prompt and bold, and this will allow us to understand how quickly uh, the uh, the region so will uh, will rebound. And in fact, in, Ch- in China, uh, if uh, you look at what uh, is taking place uh, uh, there. Uh, we really think that uh, the, the country uh, will be um, able to be back uh, on track uh, later in uh, later in uh, in the year, likely in uh, in uh, in Q2. Uh, Eddie said that, uh, and if we turn uh, into uh, the uh, our domestic region in, into Europe, we need to take. Uh, into account that this shock is involving both the supply side and the demand side, is involving the manufacturing sector and the service sector, is external and internal. So while over the long term, um, we do believe that our uh, medium term potential growth remains intact, as Pascal was saying, uh, the short term path might uh, might diverge uh, because of the uh, measures that uh, the different uh, the different uh, countries are are, are going uh, to take. As I said, that uh, we do believe that uh, the situation is uh, is manageable uh, and the shock will be containable and uh, reversible by its nature because it's uh, an epidemic, and uh, usually this is supposed to be short lived. Uh, look at uh, China. Uh, how it is going there? They are uh, really moving uh, from uh, the the top of the epidemic into uh, a more uh, contained uh, path, and we hope uh, to get the same on the on the other regions. 
Okay, so what you're saying, Monica, is that uh, this is transitory, and uh, I would say in the general alphabet of the crisis that we're all discovering at the moment between is it a V, a U, a L? Uh, so it's uh, going to be probably a U, but it might start by being an L uh, in the short term, if I understand if I understand you well. This is actually what the market has been pricing. If we take into account the price action that uh, we saw. Uh, yesterday, it is important really to understand how deep can be com- can be the bottom, and then uh, this will uh, actually define the path and the and the rebound. If it's uh, really deep, it might be uh, an L. If uh, it is uh, containable, uh, as uh, as we hope, uh, we might uh, see a U with different uh, you know uh, regions. I mean, if we talk about Italy, maybe. Um, obviously, uh, we we do have a recession in uh, in our cards as far as uh, uh, Italy is concerned, but it is not uh, the case for some uh, some other uh, countries. So it will be really depending uh, on a country uh, by 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 country response. Okay, thanks, Monica. So Pascal, coming back to you uh, on what happened on the market yesterday. Uh, so maybe first, can you give you can you give us uh, sorry, uh, I would say your comments on what happened uh, with two things uh, that I would like you to elaborate on. What has been done so far in our portfolios, uh, and a specific highlight uh, on the credit side. Uh, of the question that, as you mentioned, is probably the key segment of the market to look at at the moment. So in the most recent period, not that much, actually, uh, moving uh, for moving for just for the sake of moving the portfolio can seem uh, reassuring. Uh, It's a false sense of reassurance. Uh, uh, Basically, we had already reorganized uh, the bulk of the the risk budgets. I will come back to this. Uh, and uh, we have already uh, basically uh, moved into a phase where we think that time is uh, approaching to look at the situation through uh, the lenses of uh, opportunities, uh, though another leg of uh, sell-off is not uh, clearly uh, excluded. For example, uh, we've been talking and thinking and uh, starting to act in some areas uh, on uh, quality cyclical and industrial stocks in Europe, actually. Uh, It will be one of the key, uh, uh, probably, uh, questions and entry points uh, moving forward. Uh, Coming to, um, uh, so basically, we didn't move that much in the most recent period, and it's often too late uh, to sell uh, various things in this kind of uh, pattern. Actually, regarding credit, uh, we've been positive on credit overall and overweight uh, since the, the beginning of the year. Then came the virus. So we, we started the year with a beta 1.2, uh, reflecting this uh, positive view. The virus came and led us to uh, reorganize uh, the portfolios uh, with the uh, following uh, angles. One, sector allocation, uh, cyclicals and uh, shipping, typically down, banks and pharma hub. Uh, we've been reducing, uh, uh, to an extent, the beta. We raised uh, cash, uh, cash levels. We raised the exposure to medium-term maturities versus uh, long-term. And uh, we increased the, the quality, uh, the credit quality of the portfolios or quality of issuers. Uh, it doesn't protect from uh, volatility, but uh, reflects the uh, 
conviction that credit quality in this kind of sequence will pay uh, over uh, the, uh, the uh, medium to long term uh, period. We do not plan uh, at the moment to do uh, more. Uh, we focus on liquidity of the, of the portfolio. As you know, we have uh, always uh, been uh, focusing on uh, the dimension of uh, liquidity on top of uh, uh, risk uh, and uh, return, calibrating uh, dynamically uh, liquidity buffers, uh, pure cash plus uh, really liquid assets. So we've been increasing those buffers uh, in the rally uh, so that we are basically, our portfolios are uh, uh, basically uh, comfortably uh, uh, positioned to, uh, for a certain degree of stress. Uh, this is what we've uh, done. We are not sure that the bottom has been reached, huh, to, uh, to, be, uh, to be frank, and who knows. Uh, we will add uh, risk when, uh, when convinced that uh, the turning point has, uh, has been reached. It's not, uh, it's not yet uh, uh, the case. I think that the uh, ECB slash policy mix uh, turning point will prove uh, critical uh, in the market for uh, European-based uh, um, um, investors. Um, on equities, generally speaking, it applies to Europe, but also to, uh, to the US. I think that the main investment decision uh, uh, moving forward will, uh, uh, will focus on cyclicals. Uh, actually, uh, the market has moved away from uh, this, uh, this topic. Uh, it's uh, severely underpriced and uh, undervalued and clearly not priced for any uh, positive uh, news in this uh, black type of environment. Um, on the, the other uh, action we may take uh, actually in the emerging market space, uh, for sure there is no unique uh, emerging market environment. Uh, the portfolios are basically uh, run uh, cautiously uh, at the moment, but I do think that uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the emerging market sphere will prove the best area of opportunities uh, when things uh, uh, improve. Uh, today, we've got uh, a classic uh, overweight our currency versus local currencies versus FX, but it's obvious uh, that there are distortions uh, that are opportunities, for example, the severe undervaluation of uh, some emerging market currencies. Uh, the fact that we are seeing uh, positives like uh, the, the, the stop in the appreciation of the dollar, interest rates low, uh, we still need the confirmation of uh, growth, global growth, uh, basically uh, uh, holding reasonably well, for sure, uh, actually. But when it comes, and it will, uh, actually, it will uh, it will provide a significant impact in this uh, segment of the uh, of the market, and um, so this reflects basically this uh, this belief huh, that uh, when the dust settles, actually, and uh, it will, uh, it will, uh, actually, we will uh, find ourselves uh, as investors. With a very uh, with only one game in town, actually, carbon yields uh, at zero, uh, even lower than at the beginning of the year, 
and the only game in town will be again about relative value uh, plays uh, across uh, the spectrum of uh, of assets. So this is uh, already known actually. The rest is a question of time and the identification of opportunities. Thanks, Pascal. So it's many very, uh, I would say, concrete uh, takeaways uh, for the people uh, that are uh, connected. Um, on the equity side, uh, we've reduced our exposure in the multi-asset portfolios. Uh, it's been two weeks now that uh, we had reduced them at the time. So at the moment, if I hear you well, it's uh, too late to sell, uh, too early to buy. Yeah, actually, at the very beginning of the crisis, uh, a bit before, actually, we've uh, trimmed and shaved the uh, equity exposure, Europe plus US. Uh, basically, and we added uh, significantly uh, duration uh, to the portfolios. We have not changed uh, our mind. Uh, duration is your friend in this kind of uh, deflationary uh, world where the virus uh, is just adding to the uh, underlying deflationary force behind the, uh, the system. On the credit side, so we are saying that your main area of focus is the, the management of liquidity uh, and something uh, which I think is quite uh, important and interesting because we've seen a lot of massive sell-offs uh, on the EM since the beginning of the crisis, uh, on the virus crisis. Uh, it's that uh, this is probably an area of uh, further opportunities uh, afterward. Um, you mentioned also that the turning point uh, would be probably uh, the uh, I would say, coordinated answer, uh, if any, from public authorities. We're going to, to discuss that in a few seconds. But before that, Monica, uh, I would like you to give us your view on what are the main risks uh, that you're monitoring uh, at the moment uh, in the current context. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the, as you know, the, the risk component is uh, really key crucial uh, to us in order uh, to build portfolios that are able to balance uh, and calibrate uh, the, the risk exposure. Uh, as of today, in uh, our so-called uh, wall of worries, uh, we have the uh, most stringent one, uh, which is uh, uh, up to uh, any government to solve the conflict between uh, the economic and uh, national security in light of the uh, COVID-19 contagion. So this is affecting uh, different uh, uh, interests and, uh, and uh, objectives. Uh, more, uh, more broadly speaking, there is a uh, this, uh, uh, credit crunch uh, risk uh, related to liquidity uh, conditions, funding conditions, uh, and stress in the in the credit market, as uh, uh, Pascal was uh, was anticipating. Uh, more recently, uh, oil uh, the collapse in oil prices uh, and the uh, new conflict that uh, came uh, came on board uh, at the at the end of the week, which is something that is uh, eventually uh, challenging uh, the yield and the IG uh, credit uh, credit space. Then we have, uh, broadly speaking, the recession uh, recession risk. So we can have uh, on one side a faltering effort uh, in uh, in China uh, to restart uh, the, uh, the the economy. And this might spill over to the to the banking sector, exacerbating on one side uh, the, the the financial uh, financial risks. Uh, emerging emergency funding, uh, as I was saying, uh, that uh, might uh, put some pressure on the on the on the monetary uh, authorities and eventually challenging uh, the sustainability of the debt burden that uh, all the countries are uh, keep on uh, uh, accumulating. 
there is one risk, but an opportunity, uh, an opportunity that goes to the relocation and replacement of the supply chain. This was something that we, it was already in our radar uh, back in, uh, uh, in October as we started debating about uh, the, the outlook and we label it as uh, this uh, deglobalization uh, trend that uh, uh, we were, we were uh, seeing taking, uh, taking form. We do think that uh, uh, with uh, this, uh, this shock, uh, there are uh, material arguments uh, uh, for this uh, uh, globalization uh, trend uh, to uh, to move forward more uh, more uh, boldly, but obviously it, it has to be managed because uh, if the um, the globalization unwinding is uh, massive, it might eventually lead uh, to uh, a global recession. So uh, if uh, I add to list and classify the three major risks uh, that uh, we do see is the one related to Oil prices uh, with the uh, spillover into uh, pressure on the uh, credit market, the credit crunch and the liquidity and funding needs, and the last but not least, uh, the the recession uh, the recession risk. I don't know, Pascal, if you want to add something on the liquidity side, maybe. No, I think it, you said everything, uh, Monica. Maybe we'll come that uh, at at that point uh, afterwards. Um, but I would like you both uh, to react on one thing because uh, there was something that was a lot uh, consensual or in the market, which uh, which is I would say the motto we have been hearing for a number of years that basically. Uh, central banks or public authorities didn't have uh, any more uh, munitions in their pocket in case of a new crisis that uh, after Mr. Draghi took the bazooka, there was nothing much to do. Uh, and Pascal, you started the conversation by saying exactly the opposite, uh, saying that uh, there are uh, rooms of maneuvers, there are capacities to act, both on the central bank side and I would say on the policymaking central and budgetary side. So I would like you both to elaborate on that. Maybe Pascal starting, uh, you want to start or Monica, you uh, Okay, or Monica, you go ahead first on what should be uh, your assessment of uh, what uh, public authorities can do. Well, um, I think that uh, the, the monetary authorities might fix uh, uh, part of the issue related in particular to the liquidity conditions. So we learned from the last week from the Fed action that the cutting rates, uh, it is not enough. So uh, we really uh, need the central banks to pump liquidity into uh, the system in order to preserve financial uh, stability. So more QE, uh, as uh, as Pascal uh, was mentioning, is needed. And we do expect this to be uh, deployed by uh, the, the central banks, mainly in uh, in Europe and in uh, in the in the US. Uh, and in, and in said that uh, on the fiscal side, uh, this is a, the monetary policy is not the antidote uh, to the uh, coronavirus and the extent to the supply uh, supply shock. On this, we really need the fiscal policies uh, to be uh, quite uh, quite active. We we saw that uh, several measures uh, are in the pipeline, starting from uh, from Italy. The, the government is discussing how to freeze and reduce uh, the, the taxation. Uh, the worries uh, goes in particular to the small and medium enterprises that uh, might be uh, out of target at current, uh, at the present uh, 
uh, of the uh, central bank's uh, funding, for example. Um, and then uh, you might have uh, something that uh, we were discussing yesterday uh, with uh, Pascal, which is uh, quite interesting to me. Um, the call for the ECB uh, and the appointment of, uh, of the governor Lagarde is the one of creating this link in between uh, the monetary and the fiscal side. Uh, there might be the chance to, to see uh, something uh, there. Uh, if you want to take on that, Pascal. What I think is uh, is important. I think that this uh, coronavirus uh, sequence will be remembered uh, as an additional step towards a regime shift, uh, in the sense that the uh, Volcker sequence is uh, clearly coming uh, to an end, uh, in terms of uh, I would say uh, independent central bank as we uh, had this uh, in mind, at least in the U.S., uh, the U.K. or uh, Japan, uh, actually. Uh, 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 it will be remembered, uh, I think, so don't think, the sec second uh, conviction is, uh, is, I think it's simply wrong to think uh, that uh, uh, monetary policy uh, can be limited. Actually, it's unlimited. Uh, then the, it's a question of uh, tools uh, and uh, targets. Uh, for sure, uh, the in leading interest rate is not uh, always uh, the best tool uh, in the toolbox, uh, uh, and it's probably the case uh, at a time when it is also uh, producing some uh, negative impacts. Uh, but there are other tools I've already, uh, already mentioned. So don't think uh, monetary policy is, uh, is limited, it's unlimited. And the third uh, change is uh, in terms of regime, actually, we will see uh, more and more interaction between budgetary uh, initiative and monetary policy uh, accommodation. And it's uh, clearly one challenge uh, in Europe, but uh, it's a global one, actually. And, uh, and, uh, and financial markets are not, uh, have not been used to seeing uh, coordinated uh, action from policy mixes, uh, and this uh, this could provide a, a positive shock. I think th this conversation will be uh, remembered because uh, you mentioned that uh, one of the victims of the COVID nineteen uh, is uh, Volcker's theory. So we, we will remember that in uh, in the in the fu in the future. Uh, and something also that you said, Pascal, and that you've been saying for a number of months and years now is that uh, maybe we're going to see some budgetary action helped by the fact that nobody speaks anymore about deficits or debts uh, in uh, liberal democracies at the moment. So that might be also uh, triggering more actions. Maybe before ending up this uh, conversation, I would like to uh, end it uh, maybe by some uh, comments or recommendations uh, for the clients uh, and colleagues that are connected. Um, Monica, uh, in that context, uh, what are the safe havens, if any, uh, that, uh, that you see uh, in uh, this context where basically uh, we're waiting for uh, the turning point that is not there yet. I will uh, uh, reiterate uh, the, the case for gold and for the, the treasury uh, as a typical uh, safe haven. Uh, there is uh, some unconventional movement on the uh, euro-US dollar, uh, which eventually uh, is a strengthening of the, of the euro perceived uh, for the time being as a uh, safe haven uh, currency, but we don't think this is going to last uh, uh, long, uh, long time. 
So uh, currencies uh, such as the uh, Japanese yen again proves to be uh, quite uh, uh, quite resilient uh, uh, in the medium term in this uh, perspective. But my favorite uh, uh, remains uh, uh, gold and the treasury. Okay, thank you very much. I think we're coming to the end of this conversation. So you would have understood uh, that our assessment of the situation is that this moment is temporary and shall be considered as such. Uh, and therefore, uh, it is of utmost importance uh, to keep calm uh, in uh, that moment. And maybe uh, to leave you on something, uh, Pascal started with Churchill, so we can uh, end up uh, with another type uh, of quote. Uh, so Saint Augustin, Saint Augustine, how can the world be peaceful if we have lost our capacity ourselves to be quiet. Based on that, thank you very much for this conversation and see you pretty soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.